Welcome back to Multicultural TV Talk from MediaVillage.com, bringing you exclusive interviews with on-screen talent and behind-the-scenes creatives, sharing their stories and how they're changing the face of stardom and entertainment and media. I'm your host, Juan Ayala. Today, we are joined by a wonderful group of talented actors uh, in honor of Native American Heritage Month for our very first Indigenous Actors Roundtable discussion. I am joined by Rainbow Dickerson from the award-winning film Beans. Isabella LeBlanc from the upcoming Pet Cemetery prequel on Paramount Plus, Amber Mid Thunder from the CW's Roswell, New Mexico, and DeFaro Wunatai from the FX on Hulu series Reservation Dogs. Thank you all so much for joining me today. Uh, so excited to be chatting with all of you today. I'd like to start with a uh, short, but not so short answered question uh, for all of you. What does culture mean to you? And I'd love to start with Rainbow for this one. Culture means to me, connecting through time with who you are, um, connecting to the various parts of yourself. I know for me, it's a, it's sort of a multi-dimensional, multi-faceted question because that's who I am. Um, and I think for me, culture is evolving. Um, I think it's something that grows um, and grows with me. Like you, you bring who you are with you wherever you go and then you add to it. Um, so, you know, culture for me is connecting to who you are and who you have been through the past and your ancestors, embracing who you are now, and then moving that forward um, into the future. It's interesting. I always see personal culture and how one identifies as like this recipe card that's been handed down from mm -hmm. generations and you're constantly adding to it, changing it because we're constantly evolving. So I uh, entirely agree, Rainbow. Isabella, what about you? I, I think for me, culture really comes down to community. Um, I was always raised with this idea that like to be Dakota is really just to be a good relative. And it's really just about how we take care of each other and how we relate to each other. So when I think about my culture and the culture that I was raised in, it's really about these um, traditions and, and ways of being with each other and taking care of each other. And DeFaro, what about you? What does culture mean to you? I would say culture is like uh, your community, your people's customs um, that have been going along for a very long time. Um, language, uh, dances, music, et cetera, like everything in between, like in our, in our communities, that's our culture. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And Amber, what about you? Um, I think to me, it's just, it's, it's life. Like it's everyday life. It's what you are, it's who you are you know, it's how you exist. It's just kind of, it's not something that you choose. It's just something that's embedded in you from how you grew up, from how you were raised, from the things that you heard and, um, you know, concepts that have been in your brain for a long time to also just your genetics and your DNA and, um, you know, yeah, like your ancestry and where your ancestors were and what brought you here and um, all those things. I think it's just kind of how you interact and approach uh, everyday life. So I always love to ask this question. Um, we ask it on every episode of the podcast of, of multicultural TV talk. And I always love hearing the different answers, especially those who have more, um, diverse or ethnic backgrounds, um, answers don't come so quickly. Uh, so what is a performance, uh, a film or a series that you saw that was the first time that you felt represented or seen? And Isabella, let's start with you for this one. Okay, I get first this time. Um, I was thinking about this question, and again, it, it does take a little bit of a second for me because I don't 
growing up there was so much of a a, a lack of feeling seen. Um, but I, I do think, and this is maybe a deep cut, but maybe other people um, remember this one, but um, there was an ABC made for TV movie called Dreamkeeper. I think it was like early 2000s, like 2003. And I remember that movie, it rocked my world. Cause like, not only was it filled with native people and native actors and like faces that I recognized, but it was like a lot of native stories. Like it was like traditional stories from different tribes and so getting to see people who look like me telling stories that reminded me of the ones I grew up one with, like rocked my world. And um, I think I need to go back and watch it. It's been a long time. And DeFaro, what about you? Uh, I was been thinking about this for a while too, um, when you guys brought it up. And what I was thinking, the first thing that came to my mind was the first indigenous uh, uh, a film that I've watched with an indigenous full cast, which was um, Dance Me Outside, which is so cool. Why I like it related so much to me is because that's filmed in Ontario and I live in Ontario and that reservation is not that far away. So it's like, it all mixed in for me. And plus my grandfather would always, my grandfather was a teacher at the University of Toronto for native studies. And uh, I would, I went to his classes once or twice and he would play that movie. So, you know, that, that movie was been on our family for a very long time, right? Yeah, that's fancy. And uh, Amber, what's uh, in a performance you saw that was the first time you felt represented or seen? Um, I also had to think about this for a while. I, but I also thought of Dreamkeeper because um, it's so cool. But I mean, I was fortunate because, you know, my dad also does this. So like there's, I feel like growing up, there was a lot of misrepresentation or just lack of representation that you see of indigenous people. Um, but I think to see my dad doing it and, facing both like facing roles that were really not accurate and then getting to find ones that were very cool or that we were really proud of was like it was very inspiring to me and it was very cool just to watch him kind of try to navigate that and understand how important it was for our people on both ends you know I got to watch him do it and see it from the inside but still I was like a young girl and I was experiencing not seeing myself or getting to sometimes see it and how cool that was and uh Rainbow what about you yeah, I think for me, um, I, I maybe come at it a little bit differently. I, um, I have not, and very gratefully, had the lived experience of feeling um, sort of oppression in that way. I, I have not had the experience of feeling like I wasn't represented in the world or on screen. Um, and I, I think that's because whether it was my parents and how I grew up or just how I am. Um, I love story and I always kind of found myself in whatever story I was watching and it kind of didn't matter what I was watching. I could find myself somewhere in there. And I always like to joke and say like, it could have been a National Geographic special on like penguins. And, you know, I could absolutely relate and see myself in that. Um, so, so in that sense, um, I don't, I don't have that, um, that feeling. I don't have that one, but if, <laughs> I also have a really shit memory, um, and but if I thought about movies that I remember, and I will say, two movies do stick out to me. One was Whale Rider, um, Kesey Cashel Hughes. That that stood out to me, and that stood out as a, a performance and a character too that um, I could relate to, and I felt something uh, with. And then another one, you're gonna laugh, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, two white men and like a white woman, but for whatever reason, like I. I don't know. I, I watched that over and over with my dad. And so that makes me think of him. And 
I don't know, I kind of identified with the, the baller woman at the end who like has played this game the whole way and has this knowledge about everything the whole way and just sort of swoops in at the end. And I was like, yeah, I knew what was what. <laughs> but I love that movie. <laughs> so something that's frequently talked about um, with all of the guests that I have on, on the show and that many of you mentioned is that there was when they were younger, this very clear lack of representation or misrepresentation entirely. So as I'm certain that you're all well aware, um, indigenous representation is among the lowest of all ethnic groups in mainstream media. And uh, just the other day, the Hollywood Diversity Report was released by, U uh, by UCLA. And what they do is that they analyze last season in television and in film. So in this case, when they looked at indigenous representation, there were no actors that were indigenous in leading roles across broadcast cable and digital television. Um, of course, when you take into account this current season with Reservation Dogs, with Rutherford Falls, with all these new shows, those numbers will definitely go up, thankfully. And then uh, for speaking roles altogether, it still landed at an average of less than 0.5%, while indigenous actors make up in the US 2.9% of the population and 49 in Canada. So just looking at the numbers, there's a very clear lack of representation across the board. Um, again, thankfully with some of the projects you're all involved in, that has definitely changed and moving in the right direction. Uh, so the, the next question is, uh, what do you hope to see more of and less of in regards to indigenous representation in entertainment? Let's start with DeFaro. I had a feeling you were gonna start with me first. Um, I'm really proud to be a part of projects like Re Re like Res uh, Reservation Dogs and proud that there's another project out there like Rutherford Falls. And what I'm really trying to get at is that I'm, I'm excited to see more um, comedy with Indigenous content and Indigenous storytelling because we're very comedic people. And uh, because how I just feel is that other past projects uh, with Indigenous-led content was always very depressing. And I feel like, you know, it's important to bring up um, uh, it's important to bring up history that's that needs to be brought up but also like that shouldn't just be all of it that shouldn't just be all of it you know what i mean and that growing up that's why it was really hard for me to think of something because like everything i've seen was just like indigenous people getting massacred at this massacre or like you know residential school shit you know and it's just like i i didn't attend residential school you know my my family did you know what i mean i, I was i was the lucky generation to be like born after that so um that's why it was so hard to try to find something that represented with me because everything was really depressing. What I'm trying to get at again is that I'm, I'm excited to see more uh, lightheartedness, comedy, you know, more than just drama and sad stuff. Yeah. Oh, and what I see, I want to see less of, oh yeah, that's what I answered. I want to see less of like depressing shit. Yeah. yeah. And more of uh, things. I answered your question. <laughs> um, I mean, I completely agree, you know, as um, someone that is Latinx, that is of also of mixed heritage. My mom is indigenous from El Salvador. My father has European ancestry um, and also I identify as a queer person. So uh, similarly with both of those routes, it's having that more positive representation because unfortunately a lot of the Latinx representation out there has to do with crime, with um, drug. I mean, Narcos has become this massive franchise and unfortunately that's a lot of what we see out there. And um, similar with queer storytelling, a lot of it is dealing with trauma. And while those are necessary stories, it's like, but we're also joyful. And there's, you know, you need all of this other type of storytelling. So definitely just completely agree with DeFaro that that diversification of the storytelling is, is absolutely needed. Uh, Isabella, what about you? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm definitely gonna like second the, the humor because 
yeah again like for indigenous people at least in my experience like humor has been a survival mechanism and and that's something that's really missed in a lot of stories about native people not told by native people and it is exciting to see like Red Zogs and Rutherford Falls who are like really um calling in this new era of like allowing like native people's lives to be like well-rounded and funny sometimes um I think something else that I'm looking ahead to is um again like more highly specific indigenous stories and then like res dogs is like so specific to oklahoma and that's so refreshing and exciting to me i think there's been a long time where we've had this like pan indian sort of way of telling stories about native people and i'm excited about an era where we get to be very specific about the the people and stories that we come from and the specific tribes and regions it's interesting that with reservation dogs, it is so specific and you'd think, you know, if you just listen, if you just sort of read off the premise, it's about four teens on a res in Oklahoma, you think, well, how am I going to relate to that? Yet it was the most relatable, like we all have friends who are like all of these kids. We all know someone that I grew up in a very urban environment and sort of small town after that. So it's just so relatable across the board. And, and um, we'll get to this a little bit later, but that's also related to how those behind the scenes are bringing this massive sense of authenticity to the storytelling. Um, and I think that's also very important, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, Amber, what about you? What's something that you want to see more of and less of uh, in terms of indigenous representation? Um, I mean, we're talking about res dogs. Uh, what's so cool about that is the, like, the balance and the well-roundedness, you know, like, that show does such a good job of, like, showing the hard things and also showing the honesty behind what life is actually like. I think as Indigenous people, we've often been kind of, like, romanticized or turned into just, like, villains or savages or, like, really we've been, like, demoted to just being very one-dimensional I think in our representation um and I feel like indigenous characters often just show up even in like whole movies where there's like lots of indigenous characters will just kind of show up just to like serve one purpose or be one thing or you know symbolize something and then disappear um and what's great about now is that we're being seen as just as people, as like full normal people who have lives and interests and are urban and res and all these different things, which is actually true to who we are and who we've always been, but other people don't get to see that and nobody has ever written that because I think nobody knows about it. That's why it's important to have indigenous writers. And Rainbow, what about you? Oh boy, I love all of these comments. And yeah, I'm jumping on the bandwagon of less of the suffering Olympics. I am tired of the suffering Olympics. It's time to like shift focus onto the positive stuff. So yay with y'all on that. Um, for me, I would love to see, and you kind of brought this up a second ago, more um, well-rounded storytelling, whether that's getting more indigenous voices involved from the beginning. Um, or not, but just more care in the overall telling um, of, of a story. Meaning we can't just um, throw a character in at the last minute and not think about where they come from and who they are and what it means. And also just expect the actor to fill in all the gaps. 
you know, just because, you know, expect the actor to also do more than just their job, like, you know, be your consultant and fix things. And yes, actors speak up. Absolutely. But, you know, start thinking about it really starts well before, you know, what we see on screen well before the casting process, like what, where did the concept come from? Who are the writers? Who are the designers on the project? You know, what are you trying to convey? Like, let's actually put some care and effort behind it. Um, so I want to see more of that well-roundedness in the storytelling and um, yeah, less, less, less suffering Olympics, less um, tokenism. Um, uh, so Amber and Rainbow, the, the two of you are of uh, mixed heritages and knowing how uh, parents oriented this industry can be. Um, have either of you experienced any particular difficulty in the audition room because you may not fit the sometimes very narrow-minded mindset of what an indigenous person should quote unquote look like? I'm just curious on your perspectives for that. Um, yeah, I mean, I've had so many people, uh, you know, I've had a lot of people um, who maybe don't have, I've had a lot of Caucasian people tell me that, uh, you know, like, oh, you don't look like what I would expect, or you don't seem very, like, looking at you, you're not, you know, like, I don't want to say like Pocahontasy, but like, people have said that to me, you know, yeah. um, and, and I don't know, it's just kind of like, it obviously goes so far beyond that, and there's a lot of people who don't have a problem with it, but also it's like, yeah, it does come up, it happens. Yeah, it's like, sorry, I don't fit your expectations yeah. <laughs> of, of what this is. Um, yeah. And, and it's, you know, with those that are indigenous and, and so many other ethnic groups, there's no one look, there is no sort of one size fits all look to it. And it's still very surprising that in this day and age, that's still something that's brought up um, so often. Uh, Rainbow, what about you? So you're flailing before. <laughs> All right, let's saddle up because, yeah, um, that that's been that's been quite a ride for me um, in the journey of my life so far. Um, I, let, I mean, I'll even talk about something that's happening like this week uh, as as an example. So so I am I am uh, I am mixed. I am also Asian Asian American. My mom is Thai. And my dad was mixed, um, Rappahannock and European. And uh, yeah, so even on both sides um, of my heritage and all sides of my heritage, I kind of get the, oh, you, you, don't, you don't look like that or you don't, you don't look like what I expected you to look like. And even this week, you know, I'm gonna be reading for a role that's been written for an Asian American. And, you know, my, my team had to have a conversation to say, okay, you know, you do realize that she is multicultural, you know, you're, you're going to see her and we don't want to have, have to have this conversation of yes, you know, yes, she is Thai. Yes, she is. I know she doesn't look like that to you, but she is like, and he, he actually had to say, is this going to be a deal breaker? You know, like, can you just see her read? Um, so it still happens. It happens all the time. It happens on both sides. Um, it happens within my own communities too. Like um, both of them my family, they make fun of me and it's loving, you know, it is kind of loving, but it's also kind of ouch. You know, they call me foreigner um, and they, you know, and I am like the, the, the lightest skin member of my family. And I do look different from like both sides of my family. So it happens on, like within my cultures and also outside of them, um, 
which I've found fascinating. Um, the one thing that I will say that it, if I try to find like um, the blessing in it is that it has helped me realize the outside world is constantly going to change the way that it looks at me and, and it's going to change. Um, people are going to change. Yeah. They're, they're going to look at me and see something different all the time. The outside world is always going to view me differently, but that doesn't change who I am on the inside, you know, and it helps me try to stay grounded and, and connect, you know, remind myself who I am. And that's, where my value comes from, not from the outside, because that's always going to change. Like, I think it's going to change again. I'm curious to see where we are, you know, three years from now, because there was a time, I, Amber, you might have felt this too, when it was sort of like, oh, you can play the, the Caucasian role, or oh, you could, you could be Latinx, right? Want, like, oh, oh, you could be this, you could be whatever. We don't really care what you are. You could mm -hmm. just do that. Um, and now we care, which is great. And now I'm getting the, yeah, we care, but you're not enough. Like we care, but you're not quite enough here. You're not quite enough there. So I'm curious to see, all right, well, now what? What are you gonna, what are you gonna throw at me five years from now? I'm still gonna be here, I'm still gonna be me. So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, Isabella, I'm sure there's quite a bit under wraps about your upcoming Pet Cemetery prequel um, that you're involved in with Paramount Plus. Um, is there anything that you can share about the role? Because I know that Pet Cemetery is sort of um, infamously known for the uh, Native American burial ground aspect, which has been seen time and again in different horror projects. Um, but is there anything that you can share? Yeah, definitely. Um, it's like very true that Pet Cemetery did not have a good connotation for me when I like first got called in for this. Um, and I was actually like very scared to read this script even before I auditioned. Um, but I was really excited about what they had done with this prequel and that it, it really flipped the script and given Native people and Native stories a lot of agency, whereas um, the original was, um, we were kind of the, the scary boogeyman. And so it was um, really exciting to get to be part of this process and um, to get to work with Forrest Goodluck as um, another Indigenous actor in the movie with me. And, and get to be on set with him and get to feel like we were getting to be again, like real native people um, in this world, whereas indigenous people hadn't been given that opportunity before. Um, and, and we did bring up sort of, of how it's been a little bit mishandled in past representation or past adaptations. Um, and even the poltergeist comes to mind, like the home was built on this burial ground and now they're all cursed or, and whatnot. Um, are there any particular tropes, uh, cliches, or stereotypes that you're hoping just fade away? And after Isabella, this is open to everyone as well. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, this big one is that, like, we're always these, like, this scary history, mm -hmm. um, and especially in horror, and I think coming from just doing Pet Cemetery, that's where my mind's at. But there has been this history of that, like, Native people, we know that they were once here and something bad happened and now we're scared of them or we're scared of their ghosts or their spirits or their magic or whatever. And I, I'm really excited to not have to um, deal with our ghosts anymore to like be this um, scary history that people don't understand and don't wanna touch. Um, and instead I'm very excited for like a future where we, um, where those stories gets to, to be held and unpacked 
um, with all of us, um, Native people and non-Native people. I wanted to say something, but this is not about this at all. Like I can answer Good. this as well. This is even bringing it from before. I'm, I'm, I have mixed ancestry as well, so I want to make a comment on that. What you guys brought up. I'm, I'm part mm -hmm. Guyanese. So I kind of put a little bit left out. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's it called? But no, I, I you know, um, <clears throat> uh, my siblings, all of us, uh, we all very look completely different from each other. A lot of us forget the Guyanese side, a lot of us would get the uh, more uh, native side. So it's very interesting seeing the dynamic when we all stand together. Um, and I have been, I, when I did, I, I've done additions, I've been doing it since I was 16, um, and I just turned 20. Um, so I've been, I've been in the, experiencing the whole, um, really what it was for me is my hair is not long enough, which is such a weird thing. Is that they have such an idea of like, you need this really long hair that we can braid and everything like that. Like that shit's whack, like, you know? Like, I know, I, you know, but whatever. And, and also the and also the comments uh, that Rainbow said about uh, the family thing. Yes, my family makes fun of me too, <laughs> a lot, you know? And what's interesting is because uh, the more, <laughs> so I'm a city native, which is such a weird thing to say, but they make a lot on the res, they, they make a lot of fun about that. So I've been getting a lot of, a lot of the spectrum too as well, Rainbow. <laughs> I know what you're talking about, I'm sitting here. Uh, yeah, that's what I want to say about that. Why is it the fact that like a lot of like the Indian burial grounds are also haunted, but like, hey, go to Britain and they got burial grounds. Why the fuck are they aren't haunted? Like, why is it always in films as in indigenous people is burial grounds are haunted, like our our culture and the werewolf shit, like the whole thing that like indigenous people could turn into fucking werewolves. I wish I could turn into a fucking werewolf. Why can't I? You know what I mean? It's just like all this whole entire thing. They just like they like uh, it's not the right word, but fantasize. They uh, um um. Mm blow out of content like uh, our stories and, and they don't and a lot of the stories they don't even uh they may have heard from a from from uh what's that film in the 70s uh oh never mind but anyways <laughs> they, they get a lot of their ideas from indigenous people from older films and films yeah. that are really inaccurate with people who are not even indigenous like cody iron eyes yes you know yeah i won't bring that out there yeah, it's it's like you know they hear this urban legend and but they just he remember like a line and then they make this whole project about it and it's not at all grounded in the actual story, um, nor did they probably do their due diligence. Um, mentioned werewolf, my mind immediately went to Twilight, with that whole you know, goodness. Anyway, moving on from that, <laughs> uh, Amber, did you want to uh, to add anything? Cliches, stereotypes, anything like that? You want to see fade away? um I mean yeah just the like I mean I kind of talked about it earlier but I feel like truly we're either like victimized or we're villainized and I just mm. feel like that's so old <laughs> you know like I feel like we are this is why it's important for us to have our own stories and to have big indigenous casts is that like we can be all the things like there can be a hero and a villain and somebody who just kind of does nothing like because that's honest you know I think when you look at like a story and you have like a cast of say like 50 and only one is indigenous, like the representation, like the, the power that's on that one is so much bigger than if you get to have more people, you get to show more things. Like that's why we need to be out there. That's why, and that's also why like, yeah, I think people don't know how to write for us because they don't know where we come from. They don't know what our lives are like. They don't know what a res is like. If you've never been there, if you didn't like live on one, stay on one, grow up on one, you know what I mean? Like you don't know where we come from and our history and how like how we balance understanding like 
our ancestry and our history and the things that happened, but also being urban people, like that other people don't get that. So I think it's just all of it, you know? I think it's just like, I always talk about like, like we are your neighbor, we are your doctor, we are artists, we are, you know, whatever. Like we are so many things. And I feel like we just need to be seen as that. It's like, it's, yeah, it's a very like weird, kind of thing that we end up just being like subhuman a lot of times in stories. And it's like, because of other people's ideas of our culture, it's not even actually what our culture is or what our traditions are. It's their long skewed perception of our traditions and our culture. So I think that concept and that perspective being corrected um, through new stories and new characters and new writers and new, you know, all those things, like, that's what I want to see. So there's two like stereo stereotypes that I think we could do away with. One is like the uh, exotic, demure or diminutive, like native princess thing, like that can go. And um, being incompetent or being stupid or like, and some of that comes from like hearing broken English all the time. Mm. I want to hear more language. I want to hear more traditional languages out there. And like, I love what Warrior did, right? Like, do let's do away with like being, being, being incompetent or not having knowledge or not knowing, you know, just not being smart, <laughs> you know, just not being smart. That can go. So Devera, I just want to ask, uh, how integral did you feel that that was to telling these stories and making them as universal as they ended up being for, for so many different people? Well, I think it was amazing and such an accomplishment uh, part of it, all the whole cast and crew that we got to make this universal. Uh, I think it was very important for the Res Dogs, the main uh, four Res Dogs who were not from Oklahoma or who were not from Okmulgee to make it accurate to what community we're presenting. This is why I feel it's really important. And I'm happy to say eventually, I feel like uh, indigenous actors are gonna explode in the next five years, 10 years. And even within that, we are gonna see uh, accurate nations playing accurate people. You know, cause I felt, I felt like a lot of weight on my back making sure that I represented the uh, Muscogee nation properly, right? Even though I'm indigenous, you know what I mean? And it's, um, um, but also another thing which is, which is amazing about this show is that, I've been on projects before where I was played an indigenous character or it was an indigenous television show where it was not an indigenous crew. And uh, when you go step on those type of cat uh, on those sets, it's very different. You kind of have to, in a sense, teach people a lot of the times who want, and it's not like battery, then people want to learn, but it's just also like, it's weird being the only person there. And it's the same thing with being the only indigenous person in a school classroom and you have indigenous heritage munch and literally everyone looks at you. You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of like that feeling just on, a uh, set level and that's why it was so 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 amazing on reservation mm -hmm. dogs because that and uh, i'm not going to sit here and tell you that every single crew member was indigenous because they weren't but but in every single department there were indigenous influencers there were indigenous presence there oklahoma is a, it's a very beautiful state it's, be, uh, it's a very beautiful state for many reasons but one including it is it has such a big population of indigenous people there and um, so it's not really like how it is. And I want to say this, how it is in Toronto, where we, in a sense, you could feel invisible. You know, uh, there's a very big, proud indigenous representation in, in Oklahoma. And the people that who are not indigenous kind of 
knew knew what was up. I didn't have to sit there and talk to people and explain people and explain traditions. Even though our communities are thousands of miles apart, it's it was very similar. So much similarities all over Turtle Island. It was very beautiful, you know. And also the fact that Sterling Harjo, the director, put a lot of people on for the first time. I mean, a lot of the crew members. It was their first opportunities to even work on a set, you know. And and that's how you and that's how you build and that's how you get a career. You need you need experience. That's why there's less less people of color in in this film industry because you need experience. You need 10 years experience and people of color don't get those opportunities. So it was amazing that Sterling got to give these people opportunities, you know, like first I was talking to a person like, yeah, that's my first time on set this very day or that. And it, they did amazing. Honestly, I'm not going to talk shit about anything else, but they did it more amazing than people coming abroad who are they, where they come is supposed to be known for that stuff. You know what I'm trying to say? It's like it, it given the opportunities and given the light and giving to our communities is very important. If that answers your question, I was kind of just going off a little bit, but yeah, yeah. So we always end our interviews uh, with this question. If you could go back and give your 13-year-old self any advice, what would you say? I'll give everyone a second to think, and we'll start with Amber. Yeah, I'll start right here quickly. I will say it quickly, okay? I want to give myself nothing because I'm pretty good where I'm at right now. You know what I mean? <laughs> Everything bad in my life led me to where I am, like even the worst shit. So like, yo, I'm good. Young DeFerro, if you're listening, which you probably can't, stay the same. I mean, there's no follow-up to that. That's pretty solid advice. Um, honestly, I feel like I would just tell the young Amber to just like be as proud as possible and just be as you as possible. Cause like going back to the multicultural thing, I also relate to like not being one thing enough even for your own family or for your own people. Like it is, it's like a constantly recurring thing to always try to figure out like which one you are or like who will accept you where, or like how to balance all these things and like be proud of them all at the same time. And I feel like I feel like at 13, that was really something that was on my brain. Cause you're like trying to figure out who you are and you're trying to like understand your identity and everything feels like it's the end of the world. And like, you know, it's not. And like, you just are what you are and it's all good. And I feel like I would just tell young Amber, like, it's all good, just be what you are. <laughs> and uh, Isabella, what about you? What would you tell your 13 year old self? Yeah, I think, I don't know, I think a, a lot of what my, what made my 13 year old self feel really lonely in these spaces, like as an Indigenous actor, um, it felt really isolating sometimes and it, it felt like I was always going to feel different than this world that I wanted to be a part of and I, I think that I would just love to go back and tell 13 year old Isabella that like these things that make you feel lonely and make you feel like an outsider are really your strongest asset and that's what I've learned um, you know throughout my career is that when I can walk into a room and I can offer like a different version of storytelling and I can offer a different cultural viewpoint like that's my strongest skill set and that's um what has really served me well and so I wish I could tell her to um take it a little easy on herself and uh Rainbow wrap us up what would you tell your 13 year old self so I would first say you don't need any of this information you're okay you're right where you need to be um but if you want to listen here, here are some things that might make life a little bit more fun because life, one, life was supposed to be fun. You didn't sign up to come here and trudge along and be miserable and learn so many tough lessons and have a shit time and be, you know, confronted with negativity and like 
uphill, 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 battle, battle, suffer, suffer, suffer. Like, no, life was meant to be fun. Um, you will find your lessons. Everything will be okay. Know your value. Um, it's innate in you. You don't have to prove it, earn it, or do anything to be valuable. You just are. Um, ask more questions of your dad before it's too late and it's harder to get the answers. Learn your native languages. Don't be such a stubborn cow of a kid. Freaking learn your languages, especially when your parents are trying to teach you. Don't be a stubborn cow. Um, yeah, and uh, don't watch the clock either. Mm. You know, things are going to happen in the time that they're supposed to happen. You know, when you're 13, 30-ish seems really far away. It's not. Don't watch the clock. It's okay. I love that. Don't watch the Feral self, 13 self, listen to that too. <laughs> <laughs> listen to that. Um, Rainbow, Isabella, Amber, DeFaro, thank you all so much for joining us here on Multicultural TV Talk for our very first Indigenous Actors Roundtable. Thank you to all of our listeners for tuning in. You can see all of these wonderful performers in a number of projects coming soon. Uh, you can catch DeFaro, Unitai on Reservation Dogs. Congrats on the season two renewal, by the way. Uh, season one is now streaming on FX on Hulu. Amber Midthunder is on CW's Roswell, New Mexico. And Isabella is in the upcoming Pet Cemetery prequel on Paramount+. Plus. Head to mediavillage.com to read all of our awesome content. I'm Juan Ayala, and you're listening to Multicultural TV Talk. <laughs>